Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave. I am your host and the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church. And with me today is lead pastor, Paul Eastwood. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Excellent. You're uh, post-Easter. We're both post-Easter and uh, coming down off of what is the busiest season in the church, I think. Um, and yet been. we're definitely not post-COVID yet, right? Like that's the yeah. that's the reality in our lives. But um, we're not here today to talk about COVID. Yeah. Uh, we're here to talk a little bit about Easter. Um, yeah. Talk to me. What uh, like what what did we talk about on Sunday besides the obvious? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Easter is one of those times of year that everybody knows what we're going to talk about before we talk about it. But we were talking about the resurrection and specifically hmm. talking about this idea of, you know, the the potential that we all have to miss Jesus in the midst of uh, what we're you know what we're going through. And there are a lot of reasons why we can be distracted and miss things. But right now we're all kind of in this time that is, you know, overwhelming and it just kind of has our attention and we're focused on it. And, and so we just talked about this idea. Actually, it started from a conversation that I had as I was uh, with somebody who really, um, you know, had been feeling this idea of like, okay, you know, what is it? like that's that I want to see happen as I get through the other side of whatever COVID is, whenever the other side Mm -hmm. is. And what they said is that they, their prayer is that they don't miss Jesus in the middle of it. And Mm -hmm. I loved that because I feel like so often in the best of times, we just get so distracted and we're busy and we're rushing around doing different things. And Easter is supposed to be this moment. It's like the, the, you know, the, the record scratch mic drop moment where all of a sudden it's like, Jesus is alive. What does that mean for you? What does that, you know, what does that do for you? And I think that is, you know, where we were focused on, uh, on Sunday, you know, he's yeah. alive and don't miss it. Don't miss his influence. Don't miss the way that he interacts, uh, with us in the midst mm. of whatever we're going through. Uh, don't miss Jesus. And, uh, and so I thought it was kind of an interesting, uh, way to look at, uh, the story that we know really well. Yeah. And we do, we do know this story well, right? Like it's, mm. uh, it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening along, you do, and maybe, maybe you don't, maybe just you and I, Paul, but, um, we, we certainly like, I've been, I've been planning Easter services for years and years now, and you've been preaching at them. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's easy to feel like, oh, here we are again. Um, and even to feel like it's, it's hard to, uh, hard for it to be personal sometimes for us. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious, uh, with, with everything we did for Easter this year and we, we did, um, we were intentional about the season of Lent and praying together and then the whole journey of Holy Week. We we uh, had videos on YouTube, which if you haven't checked them out yet, I'd really encourage you to go. Um, they're short kind of devotional clips from all of our staff. Uh, and then yeah. a Thursday evening communion, which is a bit different, and a short video Friday, and then obviously our celebration. What in all of that, what kind of grabbed your heart? What was God doing in you this Easter season? Yeah, I guess for me, the thing that was most impactful was uh, Thursday night. Um, mm. To me, to me, I've always I've always thought about this last week. You know, when you're in ministry, you often have conversations about what Jesus did. It's you know probably in your study Bible if you look for you know maybe in Matthew or one of the Gospels, they'll probably show an outline of what Jesus did the very last week, um, at least according to tradition. And and I I I think that it's always really interesting to to slow down and spend time thinking about that. Now I've never done it like we did this year, but most importantly, the the idea of of actually having communion on Thursday night uh, before Good Friday, 
is is kind of an interesting way to approach the the season uh, because as you know Jesus was gathering with his followers for Passover I mean he had something else that he was thinking about uh, at least the disciples as well yeah like they were gathering you know celebrating this moment where blood of the lamb on doorposts uh, saved the Israelite people from the angel of death which was the last of the plagues that was sent on the Egyptians for um, uh, to to save God's people and to allow them to be free. And so there's this like, all the imagery is just so, you know, obvious and right in front of you. And yet we often don't slow down enough on, on Thursday to consider this idea of preparing for the Passover. You know, the followers of Jesus getting, you know, together, getting the meal together, getting the sacrificial lamb, all of this stuff in order to celebrate how the blood of the lamb was able to save them. And all the while, they were actually preparing for something totally different. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, and then yeah. So so this this season has been really neat for me. What about you? Did you was there something in that that um, you know kind of yeah. grabbed you? Yeah. For me, I, I um, going through Holy Week especially, and uh, I mean, I got to go through it a number of times as as we do when we get to plan and speak at these things, right? I was I was in it probably before Lent started, uh, but I'm I'm kind of with you in that there's something really neat about. Uh, the Monday, Thursday, the Thursday evening communion. So typically in, in at Compass Point, we've we've done communion on Friday, which is which is about the death of Jesus and the cross, obviously. Um, but to kind of like we did this year, uh, and and I think you know what I mean when I say this, to take the cross out of communion, um, as in to not get there yet, to to celebrate mm-hmm. the Last Supper like Jesus celebrated it without jumping immediately to the cross. Um, I don't know. It, it there was something about living in the tension and the arc of the story this year, uh, and the intentionality with which we journeyed. Uh, even, you know, hearing hearing Jesus talk about money uh, through the video Chris did, and and then hearing about the uh, the worship of of the woman who came and poured the perfume at Jesus's feet, and and the little practice we did in our family with pouring a can of root beer down the sink. Um, there were some really really precious moments for me, and kind of moments where. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great to be able to engage with my family in a way that, that I haven't often at Easter. And it may just be my kids getting to that age or the, the ways yeah. that we did it or being forced to be home because of COVID. Um, but there were some really, really great moments this year. And I felt like, um, getting to Easter Sunday was all the sweeter. Yeah. Uh, even, even though like, even though it's still, man, I miss being all together for worship, everyone and singing in a yeah, room. Yeah. And, um, you know, definitely. Yeah. Oh, it was funny on on Monday. My family were actually sitting at dinner, and and my kids were like, "Wait, is there a video?" You know, like it mm. was like, you know, for us, that's the time that we're actually together as a family, and so we did ours in the evening, and yeah. it was actually really kind of neat. Like we would always, you know, uh, get out the iPad and watch the video as we yeah. were getting ready to have our dinner, and um, and then on Monday it was like, "Where's the video?" You know, <laughs> and so mm. it kind of created some some. Uh, a way of like making it so that you couldn't miss Easter the way that sometimes it just blows by. Right. I mean, yeah. how many times has Easter been more about, you know, how do I get to my in-laws house and have I hidden the eggs yet? And who's on, you know, who's doing this exactly. and whose house are we going to? And am I bringing the beans or am I bringing the ham or whatever it is? And this year it's just like, stop, pause. Um, mm-hmm. in fact, it was kind of a little bit like last year. Um, but in many ways, very different. <laughs> yeah. And you, you and I both, as we were prepping, kind of went back and, and watched through a bit of our Easter service last year. And we started last year with this, uh, this video that, that Alex did all about, um, 
churches being closed and, and, you know, gathered worship not happening, which it didn't last year. We weren't in Mm -hmm. person at all. Um, and then we also at later in the service had this moment where we, we asked people to record and then to send in clips of them talking about why Easter mattered, uh, and, and what it, what it meant. And it was interesting just watching back and thinking, yeah, we had, we had no idea what we were getting into last year in some yeah. ways. We, we kind of just knew, but yeah, I was going to say like, do you think that we could have handled knowing what we know now? Like, I mean, if we had actually known, you know, a year ago that we were going to still be in some sort of lockdown by next Easter, do you think we would have been able to handle it? I, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, and that, I mean, that for me kind of speaks to one of the best things I think has happened during COVID and it's both the best and the worst, but I no longer, um, I no longer feel like I can predict the future in any meaningful way right. with, like with anything. Like I feel like I end every conversation with my wife with like, well, we'll see what happens next. Like that is just what I say yeah. all the time because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And like. Again, we're here and I don't know what tomorrow will bring, um, which on one hand is really like really hard. Uh, but at the same time, I doesn't the Bible kind of speaks of like giving stuff over to God like that and being like, well, tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. I'm, I know what's in front of me today. And if we can learn how to embrace that, maybe that's, maybe that's some of the good that'll come of this. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would have handled it particularly well knowing it's going to be more than a year. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, you you know, you're onto something there. I think we in our, in our culture in the West have gotten better at better, better and better at controlling everything that's around us. And, yeah. you know, and I think that this really speaks to the resurrection because, um, you know, I think for many of us, the resurrection becomes a story that is, you know, quickly we move on from it. Um, it's, you know, it's Easter, it's part of the story, but we don't often think about its effect. And, you know, mm. as I think about world religions, um, there are not many world religions that are focused on a person or an individual. There mm-hmm. are a few. Um, mm-hmm. But if you think about those religions that you know that are, are that are surrounded on a person and their teaching, often the teaching becomes the thing, right? It's their teaching is passed on from generation to generation. Yeah. Christianity is unique in that it is the only uh, world religion where the person that the whole uh, our faith is based on is not dead but alive and active and yeah uh that is unique and i think sometimes we miss that and we forget about that in the you know in our story because i think i think it's easier for us at least in the west maybe i'm just speaking for myself it's easier to think about the um you know the teachings of jesus and to you know work through his teachings and try to figure out how they apply um you know, than to actually allow the living Jesus to make a difference in our lives um, all the time. That's, mm. that's weird, um, but cool and different. Yeah. I mean, the, the resurrection is such a wild, a wild thing. Um, yeah. And we do, we do kind of want control all the time. I think that's one of the reasons, uh, like Thomas, especially, right? Like yeah. Thomas was the guy who was like, no, I, you know what, guys, I know how the world works. I, I get it. And like, this is not plausible. Yeah. Um, it's not going to happen. And, and, uh, I mean, I love, you know, we, we touched on, on Mary and the disciples and Thomas on Sunday. Uh, and I think I can see myself in all three of them at times. Right. It's again, it's it's not just like, oh, I'm for sure a disciple or a Mary. Like it's like, yeah, some days and some parts of my life, I'm each of them. But, uh, the, I love there's, there's this just striking beauty, especially in Thomas for me of, um, Jesus, Jesus not saying like, 
Well, you didn't, you didn't believe it right. Like you didn't, you didn't guess this one. So you're out. No, Jesus comes to him. Right. And he's, he's there. And I love, I love that. Well, John, John's gospel is so unique in the sense that he provides a lot of detail about the resurrection. And Mm. at the very end of John chapter 20, uh, he actually writes that there are so many things that Jesus did. He did he did other things in the presence of his followers, which aren't recorded in this book. But then he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name, right? And so there's this, yeah. it's this idea of belief and life and, you know, belief in the Messiah and the son of God. And it's like, this is why John wrote the book. And then what he does, and I love how what he does is he ends the book with Thomas who is the critic. And Mm. what does Thomas say in the end? He says, my Lord and my God, Thomas is the one who John uses to, to like make the last statement. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and John, and you know this, but John's book is bookended by this idea. John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Right. And then at Mm -hmm. the end you have Thomas saying my Lord and my God. And all of a sudden John like pulls the book together, but he doesn't use the devoted follower in Mary. He doesn't even use the discouraged followers and the disciples. He uses the skeptic, the unbeliever, the person so far on the outside. He's the one who ultimately is the one who is able to say with certainty that this is the son of God. And that to me is, is powerful stuff, right? You know, like I love mm. in this passage that we looked at and John has these three encounters together right at the beginning, you look at Mary and Mary was completely focused on the body. She was focused on where's the body gone? Where is the Jesus that I knew? Where's the one who was compassionate to me, who loved me, who cared for me, who reached out to me. She's so focused on, on the humanity of Jesus. And then you have Thomas at the end, who is as far away from God as humanly possible. He's, he's just about gone. And he's the one who recognizes God the divinity of Jesus. And and I think that mm. is, is a pretty cool uh, juxtaposition in the way that it's laid out for us. Yeah. So, I mean, let me ask kind of related to Thomas and, and this skeptic, cynic, doubter, um, what's the place for people like that in our church? How do, like, if someone's feeling that way, if they feel like they're on a journey, if they, if they've got a friend, like, how do we, um, you know, what's our role if we're maybe not in that place personally and, and how do we help those people see Jesus or, or give them enough space that Jesus will meet them? Yeah. So first of all, I would say that their stories are the most powerful, aren't they? I mean, if we think about those people, so when we allow people who are skeptics and unsure to come into our context as a body of believers, what we do is we actually strengthen each other. Because you and I may not go through everything. Um, we may not have had the kind of difficulties that some other people have had. Um, we, we all face something. But, you know, when I think about stories of people who've lost loved ones far too early, like children, or something has happened, you know, drastically or just just traumatically or just an incre- incredible amount of pain and suffering in somebody's life, those people would be the ones who you would assume to would give up or walk away or and and often they're not and when they're not it's a powerful story because it reminds us of what jesus can truly do in a life um you know for me skating through and and maybe not having the you know these these big moments of crisis when i see someone else who's struggling who can uh talk about the faithfulness of god and and be convinced of his uh, love for them that to me is inspiring. I can think of people right now in my mind who's, who are going through some really hard times right now. 
and their faith is inspiring to me Mm -hmm. and I need to make sure I tell them that. But I think, so that's the one thing. The other thing I think that I'd love to point out here and, you know, kind of hear your perspective on this too, is that, you know, the, the, Thomas, the first time Thomas isn't with his followers. And so I think what we see there is that I think that he was not just missing. I think he didn't want to be there. Hmm. Um, and I don't know that from context, but the fact that he sort of, you know, was, was defiant and saying, unless I see this, unless I see that, I'm not going to believe that's what I get. But then the second time a week later, his disciples get together again and guess who's there? Thomas. So that says two things. That means that Thomas was brave enough to come back, even when he really didn't want to. But second, and I think most importantly, that we didn't even talk about on Sunday at all, the disciples uh, welcomed him in and allowed him yeah. to be there with his doubts. Yeah. And and I think that we need to do a better job of that as a church, um, just allowing people to explore and figure things out and not mm. speak condescendingly to them, not not making them feel like they're you know somehow defective or you know whatever. Um, I think we need to embrace questions because I think I, I spoke about this last year in the message about, you know, questions can be the foundation for a strong faith. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're not they're not things to be avoided and to run away from. They can actually help us. Um, and so I think we need more questions and we need people being honest in the church so that we can work yeah. through this stuff like Thomas did. Yeah, I think that's that's really good. And I do love that picture. We don't know exactly what happened uh, between that first meeting where Thomas wasn't and the second meeting where Thomas obviously was there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like to picture in my mind that the disciples not only welcomed him, but uh, per- pursued him, encouraged yeah. him, kind of asked him to come. Um, and and what is how do we treat our friends who are uh, that, that skeptic or that, you know, doubter? Yeah. Can, we, can we do a better job inviting them in like that can we do a better job making space for them and also addressing their questions because i think as followers of jesus sometimes we get scared of their questions right i know when i especially when i was younger and someone had questions about faith it was like hey you can't talk about that man like are you going to be like is you're going to get hit by lightning or what's going to happen and i would kind of back away slowly but i think now what i've learned is that like God's not that fragile, like questions aren't no. going to break him. Um, and they're not going to break me either. And it's not mm. like someone's going to bring up a point that is like, Oh, I've never thought about that before. You know, maybe, maybe you're right. I honestly, I don't, th- I think that there's always room for questions, um, because, and, and for us to engage in them so that we can, um, help people. Yeah. And to, and to keep learning. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the criticisms of, of faith has been that it's kind of like, have you heard the brick wall? The idea that like you kind of build these, these faith blocks together um, with these assumptions when you're young. And then if ever something changes or something gets taken out, right, the wall collapses. Um, yep. I feel like this is Rob Bell or, or one of these guys. And the, the, the idea is that, you know, a lot of these things are more like uh, springs on a trampoline where you can, you can take them out and you can look at them and then you can put them back or you can move them around a little bit. Uh, and not, not saying that, that what we believe isn't true or isn't firm. Um, but that, you know, there's, we, we, we are not God and God is God and our understanding of the word. I mean, Paul, you and I have both, uh, done graduate level degrees in, in biblical studies in some way. And like, I, I finished my master's not thinking like I am now a master. I finished it thinking, Oh my goodness, the lifelong journey ahead of me, to search yeah. the word and to, to, to know God is, uh, is going to be long and it's going to be challenging and, uh, I won't come out with all the answers yeah. uh, and that's, that's okay. 
Yeah. Uh, there's, there's something good there because of the person of Jesus, right? Because of the resurrection. And they, these yeah. are some of the key things like, like Jesus's resurrection, like the whole point of John's letter that we might, we yeah. might know that Jesus is God and we might, um, believe and have life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, that's where we're at and that's where Easter takes us. Right. Yeah. Any, any closing thoughts for us today? Yeah. And I think I, you know, to bring this all back to Easter and, you know, I I think that when we looked at these passages of these three different individuals or groups of people anyways, you know, what I, what I said in my message and I, and is really that each one of them almost missed Jesus, right? Mary almost missed him completely. The disciples Mm -hmm. almost hid away uh, and missed him completely. Thomas almost stayed away and missed him completely, but none of them missed him. And the reason that none of them missed them was because Jesus showed up. And to me, I think that's the most powerful uh, picture and message that we have for Easter. Jesus showed up. And so, you know, what I said on Sunday is that, you know, if you're a a devoted follower of Jesus, keep learning, keep listening. And if you're a discouraged follower of Jesus, find purpose and find power. And if Mm -hmm. you're a doubter, um, you know, overcome by thoughts and things that are on the inside questions, stay connected to others, stay connected and stay curious. And I think if we, um, you know, respond to the appearance of Jesus with those kinds of things in our mind, then we won't miss him. We'll find yeah. the ways in, and the, you know, the, the methods that, that God uses to interact with us, um, in our lives and help us to find those things like purpose and meaning and, and all of those kinds of things in the midst of it all. So, um, yeah, Jesus, the story of Easter is that Jesus showed up, and that, I think, is is a message that is worth saying over and over and over again. No matter where you are, as different as you are, Jesus shows up. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you, Paul, uh, and we will be back next week with more Postscript. I hope you have a wonderful week uh, considering the resurrection and what it means. We'll talk to you soon.